You are listening to the Gentleman's Scofflaw Podcast. Listener beware. Rise and shine, the liquor store is open. I ain't got time for moping. I best be on my way. Well, I still got time to save my reputation. Time to go day drinking in this dirty little town. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Gentleman's Golf Law Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Crowder, and with me, as usual... And when I say as usual, I mean the second time is uh, John Goodman and Donovan Fowler. How are you guys doing this week? Not too bad. I'm well. You're well. You're good. I'm, I'm well. Yeah. Well, let's start off. Start off. Let's start off with a. See, that's the thing in in radio podcasts. I can't edit that out. So now I just went blah, 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 and on. I'm used to acting on film, and I would go, you know, just cut that out. But now that's not going to happen. So cut first places. <laughs> yeah. Cut print. All right. Let's. Uh, what are you? What are you drinking there, John Donovan? I know you're not allowed to drink alcohol today because it's Lent and it's not a feast day. But right. What do you have? And, that, there? and that's not for all Catholics. That's just for me because that's why I gave up for Lent. That's so what you gave so up. everybody else is free to to drink to their hearts' will content. But uh, I uh, I am drinking Lucky Jack Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Double Black. Oh, nice. And, uh, it's actually my favorite cold brew. It's like. You can only find it at like a gas station around the corner from here. It's it's kind of weird, but it's I I just picked it up one day and it's it's cool looking. Yeah, it looks it, got a little ship good. on there. Black bottle looks almost like a, looks like a Pinterest bottle. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it looks like something that you uh, cold brew you'd buy on Etsy, which I, I don't think you should trust cold brews <laughs> from Etsy. That's why I buy my mine at a gas station. So, hey, what do you got, John? I have a nice uh, strawberry mandarin tea. Oh come on! Today, <laughs> I was going to choose cherry, but after uh, last week's <laughs> problem with Donovan and cherries, I thought I'd skip there. <laughs> oh yeah, let's uh, stay uh, away from cherries oh, for a while. Aromatic uh, cherry. I've got my uh, simpler times lager from Trader Joe's, uh, and I, I feel like I'm always giving Trader Joe's an advertisement, but it's only three forty nine a six pack, and it's pretty good. So that you know, that is honestly, that's my go to. Yeah. Uh, when uh, you know, when I need to pick something up, is I just pick up simpler times because it's so cheap but it's so good i wonder if we can get a a metal koozie you've got there jordan yeah it's like one of the it's it's like a yeti koozie koozie, but it's not a real yeti it's a walmart one so it's a third of the price it keeps it cold though i I tried it it for the last time we were uh we were grilling and it was uh i don't think we're allowed those in canada yet (laughs) (laughs) you don't need those in canada you just you just stick it outside you know for two seconds and you're good and uh, smoking right now, I've got my country gentleman again. You smoked one last week. I've got mine this uh-huh, week, uh-huh. and I'm smoking some Aristocrat, which comes from a little uh, shop in in Texas near my parents. I've Obviously. got a lovely brown pipe with nothing in it. <laughs> <laughs> is that one of your grandfather's pipes that you were telling me about? It is. It's got some sort of uh, leaf-like design. I thought I had a name on here. I think it's by a company called Prigum or Brigham. Brigham? Brigham. We got to look that up. Oh, oh, I should say that uh, that uh, we have a guest today coming up later on, uh, Rick Schick, Academy Award winning VFX artist. And that's not a fake name. Try saying that name like three times. <laughs> Rick, Schick, Rick Schick, Rick Schick, Rick Schick, Rick Schick. It sounds like a swear word. <laughs> it does. Um, but yeah, uh, so what's going on over there in the Great White North? Well, after that large uh, snowstorm we had um, right before 
our first podcast. Uh, unfortunately, two small planes collided near a local mall. One landed in the parking lot, and one landed on the mall itself. And luckily, oh, the, snow cush- the, lo- the snow cushioned the fall of one of the planes, so the guy survived. Oh, oh my wow. gosh. So these weren't commercial airlines, I assume? They were just like private jets or something? Uh, small Cessnas, probably uh, you know, <laughs> pr- propeller driven. Uh, you know, unfortunately, a couple of people died, but oh, that's luckily terrible. for that one guy, it had snowed enough to you know save his life. So much snow, it act as a trampoline. That's that's insane. And that's which mall was that at? That was the Saint Bruno Mall. Saint Bruno Mall. I remember. So it's a little bit uh, outside the city, maybe. 20 minutes from downtown. That's where we used to go as teenagers to hang out. And one of my favorite things to do there was they they, they had that HMV there and I would go buy all my little punk rock records. They'd always have like two for 30, uh, three for $30 or some sort of deal like that. Speaking of crashing and burning, they're closing up shop. Really? HMV is? I was was there uh, this week. I got myself a couple of Elf toques from the movie Elf. <laughs> toques. For those of you who don't know what a toque is, it's basically a beanie, and that's what Canadians <laughs> call toques. With a pom-pom on top. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. Did you get any movies or DVDs or anything? I got a three-disc set of must-have Christmas music. Oh, okay, cool. That's That's cool. And that's it. Because it's Christmas in Canada right now, right? <laughs> it is. It's a different. <laughs> it's always Christmas. There's so up here. much. Yeah, there's so much Christmas themed uh, connections to what you're buying. Like <laughs> elf and, and, and like, I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute. Canada's on a different, t- a different time zone, but <laughs> it's like one of those little Christmas villages that's always uh, that that's Christmas all year round. Gotta get ready for Boxing Day early. Well, I almost feel like, and, and it's sad that some of these places are closing down. But I guess this. I mean, there's really no reason for CDs and DVDs anymore. I don't know if you guys also use the them internet. anymore. I mean, you know, oh, well, DVDs I, I, I do get on occasion because I, I don't think – you still for, – for film people, like film buffs, you still can't get commentary – and stuff like that necessarily on yeah. uh, on digital content. Yeah, like on Netflix, like you're not going to and and even then it's like Blu-ray is still so much better, you know, than than streaming yeah. quality-wise. So there is there's a collector's thing to it. Yeah. But the market is is just slimming down so much. And CDs, I mean, it's true. It's like uh, I when I whenever I hear an album is releasing, I always you know think who's who's buying the CD. Because yeah. And one thing too that I do is like we still have a CD player in our car. We don't have any other way to hook up uh, music to our car except for the CD player. So what I do is I'll buy CDs on Amazon, but they have the auto rip feature where it just gives it to you as an MP3. Hmm. So like most of the time, if I'm listen, if I'm buying an album and they send me a CD and it's not one I'm going to listen to in the car, it's like it's still I've got a bunch of CDs still in packaging because I've bought digital albums on Amazon. <laughs> Still. And that's the other thing, right? Yeah. You don't we don't need the brick and mortar stores anymore. Yeah. Uh, everything's available for purchase online and it, it's so much cheaper too. So these places in the malls are shutting down cuz they can't compete. Yeah, and you're almost uh, like if you're gonna, if you're going into the like the the music store or DVD store business or whatever, like a media business, really it's funny now like record 
like actual out record albums, LPs, it's probably a better business model than selling CDs because now they've, there's this huge kind of hipster resurgence of them. And I was listening to a podcast the other day. It was an Art of Manliness podcast called The Revenge of Analog was the guy mm-hmm. who wrote the book that was on there. And he was just talking about this huge like record boom, which I, I've always heard about it, but it's insane how much money like these businesses are making, producing and pressing records. I'm, I'm still on 8-track personally i'm waiting for the vhs boom (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh you know that is one of the biggest doses of nostalgia i can get is to put in a vhs tape of some like an official vhs tape not something i recorded off tv but like like one of those that was like professionally done and watching it and it's just like in well in college in film school so many films i had to watch were on vhs and it was like such an or laser disc Oh my god! I, ne- I never got disc. the laser disc thing. I skipped that. It's I guess. So it, it, I remember looking at it as a child. I even thought like this: this is a little heavy-handed. Like this <laughs> is like you know, <laughs> this thing is like somebody saw a CD and a record and was like, "What if we, what if we married these two and they had a baby?" <laughs> and uh, that was the laser disc. It was just this giant silver disc that's insane yeah. that's that's crazy well how's the quality on those things not good it's basically vhs it, it's you, you you'd expect it to be like um like more dvd-esque but when i i think i watched apocalypse now on laserdisc because that was the only thing the film library had and um it was it still had the same hum and stuff and it's just so <laughs> the like hiss. The- yeah the hiss yeah and uh, wow. and then and even like distortion and, and things like that. So I, I don't know what the big deal was. It was very, you know, very minimal difference. Well, I I what I remember hearing about Laserdisc is that um, Criterion Edition had Laserdiscs, which I love those DVDs. Um, and those are the only ones that I'll really buy these days if yeah. I want to buy something, you know, on a Blu-ray. But um they were the first ones ever to do director's commentary, and that started on Laserdisc. So that, the reason why we yeah. have that is because of Criterion Collection doing that on David. I mean, on basically, they were, they were the Blu-rays of the day. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah. But bulky as hell. We've come a long way. Yeah. Speak, speaking of movies, have you guys uh, seen anything lately that, uh, that, you guys, that you guys enjoyed or? Um, nothing current or new. I, I rewatched Harvey. With Jimmy Stewart last night. Oh, yeah. And I realized, you know, if I were to characterize myself as a fictional character, Elwood P. Dowd would be it. (laughs) (laughs) With a healthy dose of Patrick Bateman. Wait, isn't he like a... (laughs) From what I understand, isn't Harvey like about a schizophrenic or something? Or am I wrong? It could be interpreted Uh, that way. Schizophrenic, I don't know. It's like somebody it's took special. Peter Rabbit and a beautiful mind and put them together. <laughs> um, That's funny. I I I, I saw. Um, I had a um, a nice experience. I went to uh, Kong Skull Island um, like last week. I think it was. It's kind of a fun bonding experience with the roommates. I feel like it was like one of those times when we were all there at home and like somebody was like you want to go see a movie and like like 10 o'clock we went to the uh the 4d experience and for those of you who don't know what 4d is it's basically like a a rumble box seat so you're you're in a you're in a uh, movie theater seat but it rumbles and you you have like stuff like 
I already hate water it. like thrown in I your face. I already hate it. And you have like smoke coming up and stuff like that. But it's infinitely better if you bring a flask, <laughs> um, especially when you're watching just... something like Kong Skull Island. So I, I brought this, you know, flask of a... Uh, of of uh, it was it was it was a birthday, so it was a feast day. I, I brought a flask with me. And, uh, <laughs> I think you just made. If it wasn't your birthday, <laughs> hey, 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 it's if, not a feast day. It's, if it's a it family member's birthday <laughs> or a close friend, somebody that you care about, you're allowed to you're allowed to you know skirt the rules a little bit. You know, you can have some birthday cake and maybe a whole bottle of uh, whiskey. That's but funny. um, but, but isn't anyways. that like everything in life though? Everything is better with a flask. <laughs> that's I mean, true. people always say that. Oh, it's much better if you bring a flask. But it's, it's like that's just. That's just everything. No, it's 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 absolutely <laughs> true. I mean, obviously, that for you know, that maybe there's certain occasions where you shouldn't be <laughs> throwing it back. But in, in a movie, especially like a bad movie, it's so much better if you just mix a little, like you know, get like a you know, get a drink and just mix a little in there. And now, I don't know if I it. would like 4D because I don't like. I feel like it would be like things are getting too much up in my business. I've seen three movies in 4D, and it's only been worth it in one of them. I saw Mad Max Fury Road, which is like was like my favorite movie of the last like ten years in yeah. 4D, and I was like, this this isn't worth it. Uh, I saw that must have been an intense experience. It wasn't. It, ironically, I was expecting it to be, and it wasn't. It was like they. It was like the movie is so well made that you don't need 4D, so there's no reason to really uh, format it for that. Then I saw Deepwater Horizon, also thought that was going to be perfect for it, wasn't. And then um, Kong Skull Island was actually the first one where I was like, maybe, and maybe the flask had something to do with this, but the first time I was like, okay, this is actually like, this is actually worth it. And and to be honest, the movie itself was fun. It definitely like, I, I, I had the feeling when I was in the movie, like I was like, you know what, this is, it's not a great movie, but it's taking it back to when movies were just fun, yeah. you know? And, and, and that's kind of what I want out of a movie like this. I don't yeah. want something that's pretending to be, you know, yeah, like this, something it's not. It's got you know? some sort of like, some sort of cultural overtone about There's how we're just, of that these days. Yeah, like how we're destroying mm-hmm. the planet and humans are all terrible and, yeah. uh, you know, we're all going to die one day and all that yeah. crap. And I mean, there's undertones of that, but like, because <laughs> like, that's what people like to think they're smart when they're watching movies, but like, especially movies like that. But in reality, I think they were just like, you know, let's just, let's just make a fun rollicking adventure. Well, I saw, I like Jurassic Park's approach Mm, to, to that kind of message. The message is, you shouldn't fool with nature and create dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. And the consequence is you get eaten by a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty pretty simplistic uh, message that yeah. they had. Um, I saw uh, this week um, the movie Get Out, directed mm-hmm. by Jordan Peele. I don't know if you guys have heard of or seen of that movie. Yeah, with that guy from Avatar. Is it? I never saw Avatar. He, is he in Avatar? Yeah, he's got the big knife on the side of the... The, the the robot guy that he operates. Wait, the I the one with the scratch marks. No, no, no. You're you're thinking of uh, you're thinking of uh, uh, what's that? Lights out or not lights out? But it's uh, the one that you were telling me about about the blind guy. No, no get, yeah, Get Out is is basically this movie about this black guy that goes to visit his girlfriend's white family, and he's and they're like rich people on this like family like this right. compound, and all the black people are like robots on it, and he's like, what is what going? And then there's some there's this whole bunch there's a whole bunch of twists I don't want to ruin. Wait, what what's the movie about the blind vet like the blind veteran? 
who the the people I think that's the one house. and he's got no no, no it's, he was he, in the Terra Nova as well oh, that show yeah, that was yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about you're talking about um, uh, 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 don't breathe don't, don't breathe, breathe. Yeah, that's that the one good. that you're thinking of John don't breathe isn't this. that what we're talking about no, 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 no this this is the new one this is another horror movie John <laughs> get out and don't breathe <laughs> don't breathe just got released in Canada <laughs> just, <laughs> just made it to there. Canada no it, it, for all I know it could have just, been just released one. in Canada but no I can see actually I can see why you would why you'd get those confused because they both have two two words in the title and they both, both have are. actors <laughs> and they're both they've both been highly praised as two yeah. kind of subtle horror movies yeah they're good so, I've heard good things about it. I would recommend going to see it. Um, And if you guys, the listeners, have anything you want us to talk about on the show, any ideas for guests or segments that you would like to not see here, maybe eventually see. Maybe that's something coming in the future. I don't know. I'm going to tease it. Maybe. Maybe not. Um, But, uh, yeah. Uh, just go ahead and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Send us your messages, your feedback. And, uh, yeah, that's it. I think that's it. Is that good? Did you guys hear that? No. What was that? Did you hear that? Well, you know what that t- that means. It's time for Sir Crowder's Restroom Review of the Week. Oh, dear. All right, this is a segment where I uh, read my Yelp reviews on air. I've been doing this for a few years now. And um, I go ahead and review businesses uh, solely based on the quality of their restrooms. Um, And this week, I'm going to review Sharky's, again in Burbank. Last week it was... um, in Ikea in Burbank, but this week it's Sharky's in Burbank. And uh, have you guys ever been to Sharky's? You guys like Sharky's? I have a Sharky's. It's a long drive. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have a Sharky's up the way from me, but yeah. it's it's on Hollywood Boulevard, and it's hard to find parking, so it's, I've never been. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's a good little Mexican slash wood fire pizza place, which is kind of a weird that's combo, kind of a, but yeah, that's kind good. of a weird hybrid. All right, here we go. <laughs> Mexican cuisine is often simultaneously associated with the restroom. This establishment provides a smooth transition from the table to the porcelain. The tile walls and angular shapes are a testament to Sharky's good taste. The single stall provides an extra layer of privacy, but please note, if you plan on doing any grooming in this restroom, it has no mirror. Four stars for this quaint but somewhat impractical restroom. Yeah, there's there's nothing worse than like, you know, like let's say you're on like a date and you you go to the you know you go into the restroom and you're you want to check your appearance in the mirror and then yeah. there's nothing there. Although if you're taking a date to Sharky's, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe you don't need to check your appearance. To, they're going to take a dump in the restroom afterwards. Maybe uh, maybe that's not the go venue for you. <laughs> Powder your nose. Is that a first date or a third date kind of place? <laughs> that's uh, depending on where you're coming from. I think I think it could yeah. vary. Depending on who you're dating and where yeah. you're going after, you might you might not want you doing any physical I've never activity. Been to Sharkies, I don't know. It, it could be a, a high class establishment. You gave the restaurant four it's very, stars. It's very nice, but <laughs> let's just face it: Mexican food does a does a number on the body it does, after it does. you eat. At least for me, you got a ticking time. You got a ticking clock after that. And now it's time for listener mail. All right, this is the time of the show where we go to the listener uh, 
uh, listen to their feedback uh, of what they have to say about the show. And uh, this week was our first week on iTunes, which uh, I don't know if you guys know. We're up on iTunes now. Yay. Um, yay. We're also on uh, Google Play and Stitcher Radio. So if you have any of those apps, you can listen to us there. We did it. Huzzah. Yeah, just make sure you subscribe and uh, write a review. And we've got a few reviews after the first episode. Um, so I think, uh, you know, we're going to read them on air. Um, so, John, you read the first review. What review did you have there? All right, review number one, uh, five stars. I absolutely love this podcast. I find the sound of John G. Goodman's voice particularly enthralling. Ooh. And after stalking Ooh. him on Facebook, I can say with confidence... I'd tap that. <laughs> what a hunk. Oh, Steph oh, G. Oh. Thanks, Grandma. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's not, that's that's not a real review. Your wife wrote that. Uh, okay. Uh, well, uh, I'll well, re- it's still very nice. It's very you. nice. It's, it's very nice sweet of her to do. It's a nice compliment. A, uh, a little bit inappropriate, but nice. Um, all right, I'll read it. I'll read the next review. Uh, it says, "Love the inaugural show. I thought the black guy was hilarious. Five stars. <laughs> I don't know what uh, black guy he's referring to, but obviously he has Maybe he's the watching show. Get Out. And then he says, "P.S. Your mom wants to know if you had a bowel movement today. All right." <laughs> so this Jesus. is. It says, "Dad Did Crowder you? is the username." I did. I do every morning, and he knows that. Um, it's kind of a weird trend. Maybe thank you, Dad, for that review. It was uh, very inappropriate and slightly racist. Um, what about you, Donovan? Uh, okay, <clears throat> here's a review. Uh, a, a delight, a veritable delight. It seems impossible to fuse the opposing topics of classy and rugged, and yet Gentleman Scofflaw does just that. The podcasters keep things real with comments such as, some of the facial hair trends are good, but some of it's really out there. I've seen someone wax theirs into a windmill. I remember saying that. <laughs> Thank God someone finally said something. This podcast packs a wallop. P.S. Donovan, I hope you're smoking a fake pipe. Five stars. And that's from my sister. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> do, you, I, do we have any real well, reviews I, well, on I'll here? I'll read the this next one just... down here on the list. Um all right, this one says, I love this podcast, but I really wish you would take out the trash, Lacey C. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, do we have any other reviews that aren't uh, from uh, family members or significant others, John? Uh, I think there's one. Okay. What does it say? All right. Uh, I produce this podcast. Does this review count? Five stars. All right. Okay. Jordan yeah. Crowder. I wrote that when I was testing out to, to make sure the review section was working. All right. Obviously, we need some reviews on iTunes. So if you guys enjoy the show, please subscribe and leave a review because it helps us get in front of more people. The more reviews, more downloads, more subscribes, the more we can get in front of the new and noteworthy section of iTunes. And that has been Listener Mail.
All right. Uh, now is our our guest segment of the show, um, which is our first guest segment because last last week we didn't have a guest. It was just the first episode, and nobody wanted to come on. Um, but this guy, <laughs> yeah, is an award winning VFX artist. Um, he's worked on so many things. I mean, some of his career highlights you can see on IMDb. Uh, the original Mitomorphin. Power Rangers, uh, Charlie's Angels, Chronicles of Narnia, Spider-Man 2, I Am Legend, uh, Terminator, uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles, Valkyrie, Night at the Museum, I Am Legend, uh, Men in Black 3, <laughs> Oz the Great and Powerful, The Butler, I. Captain America, The Blacklist, which is one of my favorite TV shows, uh, Love and Mercy, uh, Narcos, Ballers, The Path, and the list goes on and on and on, um, and... <laughs> Also, interestingly enough, my favorite TGIF show that got canceled, Teen Angel. Teen Angel. Which I don't know if you guys remember that. <laughs> uh, welcome, uh, Rick Schick. Thank you for coming on the show. Hello, hello. Thank you. Thank you for that incredibly long introduction. <laughs> um, now, was that your real name or is that like a stage name? Is that, that doesn't No, that's sound actually real. it. I, I am Richard Schick. My dad was also Richard Schick. So he's Dick Schick and I'm Rick Schick. <laughs> that's, that's good. There's a lot of alliteration in the family. <laughs> yeah. I, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I remember I hated that it rhymed. I'm like, that's terrible. I hate my rhyming name. <laughs> so I always made sure it was Ricky Schick to break it up. Okay. And then later I realized, you know, Rick Schick is just brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> people, people hear it and they don't forget it. Yeah. Especially in, in, in the entertainment industry. I mean, so many people change their names to sound like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my wife still doesn't go doesn't take my last name as a as an actress she's like it's too masculine so she still goes by Lacey Prince <laughs> instead of Lacey Crowder um when right. I think of Crowder I think of men <laughs> it's when a, I think of Prince I think of a guy <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of a frou-frou sounding name though Prince <laughs> Prince. Um, all right. Yeah, a puppy. <laughs> um, so let's let's start off. For those of you, uh, for, tho for those who are not familiar with your field, could you give us like a little kind of ex ex overview or explanation of what exactly it is that you do? Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm a visual effects artist. Um, mostly I'm compositing. And compositing is basically... Uh, Photoshop at 24 frames a second. Oh, gosh. So people tend to be familiar with Photoshop and image manipulation, and that's pretty much exactly what we do, only the imagery is moving. So that's the easiest explanation I've come up with, um, besides like giving explanations to, uh, to children's uh, classrooms where I actually take out pieces of paper and cut them up and layer them on top of each other wow. to show, to try to get across the layering process, but it's just with video or film. Oh, wow. That's, that's, it's crazy uh, to think that, you know, we've come so far in terms of VFX, but um, how much of it is still, at, is digital and how much of it is still, is like actual practical, uh, tactical things like you were talking about creating things out of paper and, and bits and like that? Sure. Um, the practical side is then there's a there's a difference between what's practically shot on set and mm. what comes uh, in post. So what's shot on set is called special effects, and then visual effects are things we do in post. Okay. But in post, um, in post, just about everything is digital, as far as how it's recorded and then layered into the shots. Um, but the elements that we create 
don't aren't necessarily made originally in the computer. Like I can go take photographs if I need some texture. I'll just like go walk around the city. Um, I work in New York. So sometimes if we need to do like uh, like bullet holes in a wall, I'll go around the city on my lunch hour and take pictures of walls that are busted up that look like they could possibly be bullet holes or a stand-in for a bullet hole. Oh, wow. um, just recently, just yesterday, we needed to create a smoke element uh, for a particular TV show, a very specific action, and the CG guys were going to have to simulate the smoke. And I'm looking at the shot. I'm like, why don't we just shoot it? Let's <laughs> We'll hang some black duvetine, yeah. and we can make the smoke and do this exact action we need basically do it over black and get the smoke over black. Um, we did a quick test that took about 10 minutes and like, yeah, this is totally going to work oh, wow. and save like three or four days of CG work by shooting the element practically. Oh, wow. So we shot the element practically, but then it will be, um, it'll be layered into the footage digitally. Let's go over some of your, uh, I mean, you've got so many credits on IMDB <laughs> when I, when you look them up. Um, I mean, one of the first ones on there is the original uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which we just all grew up with. I, Donovan's a little bit younger, but oh, I, I, you I remember my my I, I rushed home from preschool every day to well, see that show. Power Rangers, <laughs> Power Rangers was so awesome. popular when we were kids <laughs> that the school that I went to in elementary school actually banned kids from playing it because kids were getting into fights. Uh, yeah. uh, oh no <laughs> way! That's amazing. Yeah, because yeah, when, when that when you guys were kids watching that, I was you know a young adult. I was yeah. twenty. 25 and uh we just had so much fun working on it it was just the craziest environment um because it was so low budget and saban um was was the client and i worked at a place called modern video film and we did all the post work and there was a very tiny um effects department at the time and for the second season they saw it was just getting huge and they needed more artists and so i was the third artist hired and it was already like this tiny little family with a supervisor and two young guys just out of high school. Oh, wow. And then I came along and I was like, who's this guy? Who's this invader? Where's he coming from? <laughs> what does he know about anything? And I really didn't know anything because uh, back then there was no school for visual effects. Now you can go to school. Yeah. Um, many, uh, many universities have uh, visual effects programs. Um, but back then it was all a matter of being in the right place at the right time. And I spent about uh, a year just showing my... My, um, I, I went to art school, and so I had a portfolio of artwork, and it was uh, getting anyone to look at my portfolio, and pretty much everyone, like Kyoto Brothers, I love their work. They do, uh, they did a bunch of um, miniatures and stop-motion animation, um, and Rhythm and Hughes back then. Um, I remember going and talking with them. They're like, well, this is great, but once you've done something, let us know and come back, and yeah. you know, then maybe, maybe we can hire you. <laughs> How do I get started? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, it's funny that you bring that up because, I mean, there's still, like you said, there's schools and universities that you can go to now to learn that stuff. But I still feel like it's the same in the, in the industry today. So many people go to school uh, to learn film or VFX or whatever creative pursuit. And people were really only interested in seeing what you've done, what kind of portfolio you have once you get out of school. They don't care about what degree you have or, you know, that you learned it. They want to see, okay, well, what, what do you have? to show for it <laughs> yeah when i moved to la i quickly learned that my schooling really meant nothing it was just what can you do yeah. and uh one of the things that actually helped me with getting the job on power rangers was that i had a uh a background in sculpture and so uh with the second season 
um, with the putties with Lord Zed's henchmen. <laughs> the putties needed to break apart when they got hit in the chest. And because I could sculpt, like, well, this guy can do the stop motion for that. And then that way the other two guys can work on the other stuff. So that was a big thing, the fact that I could sculpt little figures oh, and wow. then do the stop motion of them. That's cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, but it was funny because back then, like, I mean, the it was – I mean, as a, as a young adult watching it, I would never watch this show. I would never have seen it. Yeah. But we had so much fun watching the episodes um, every night. Uh, we worked at night, and we would uh, we'd come in, I think, for work for about an hour, and then dinner would arrive. And it was a client-based uh, facility, so we had really good food for the clients. And we just, because we were dirt cheap and we didn't know we were dirt cheap, we got to eat as well. And we would watch the upcoming episodes like sit around the table, watch the upcoming episodes while we're eating dinner. So we would know what's going on in the show. And we just had the most fun watching it. And half the time we'd redo our own dialogue for the show and just, (laughs) you know, it was tons of silliness. And it just, it felt like, 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 like if the kids came in, it would be about what they expected when we were working on it. Yeah. That's hilarious. And do you have any of the old, uh, like some of the old pieces and models and stuff that, uh, Maybe yeah. around here somewhere. <laughs> oh, I oh do. there you go. <laughs> you know what? Let's oh, get God. a screenshot of that. I'll get you to s- send Rangers me a picture for Instagram. Sword. There we go. <laughs> That's that awesome. Good? Yeah. That's one of them. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's a lo- and the funny thing is, if you look at this side, you can see that there's like some detailing on it. Yeah. There's some distress and trying to make it look big. On this side, this is the unmolested toy part of it. Oh, okay. So, we actually had to go to the store. I remember going to the store in Santa Monica. There was a store on the Third Street Promenade that had all the crazy Japanese toys. And uh, we couldn't get the models from Japan for the the shoot we had to do, which was turning the Dinozords into Thunderzords, because that never happened in the Japanese footage. It only happens in the American footage. So we had to recreate. We had to get one one Zord to morph into another Zord. And uh, since they wouldn't send us the models, we had to go buy the toys and basically turn the toys Toys into puppets. So, like, this is the uh, this is the dinosaur guy. So, at one point, I was on a ta- you know, sitting on a table underneath, puppeteering the legs, and oh, there's wow. little actuators down here, so you can do you can move his arm. <laughs> That's so it's cool. So real. You don't realize how and small they actually are. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I always thought they were much um, bigger. Yeah, I always thought they those, were bigger those, too. Yeah, and yeah, those toys were so see, popular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like we're at the store buying the toys to be in the show at the same time that kids are buying the toys because they're crazy for the toys. It's like, <laughs> kids, if you only knew this is exactly what's in the show. Um, and we always thought, they, oh, they the toys it. are so small. I wish they were like bigger, like on the show. <laughs> <laughs> if you, it, There's a distinct difference between the Japanese footage and the American footage in the show. And the Japanese toys are, or not toys, but they were models. The Japanese models that they made were bigger and had more functions and uh, were far cooler, which is why we always wanted to get them yeah. from Japan, but they didn't always send them. <laughs> that's, that's really funny that, that you couldn't get the originals to work on to work on the American show. Well, you know, that costs money to ship them across the ocean. <laughs> Let's go get some toys at the store. Oh, yeah. Crying out loud. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you've seen – the new one has uh, just come out. Um, I don't know if you've seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. But what do you think would be like the main difference – is on the new sh- uh, the new movie uh, compared to the old show, the stuff you did on the old show in terms of VFX work. Do you think that they do sure. any of the old practical stuff still? Or 
Um, I mean, from the commercials, it looks like there's some practical stunt work. Okay. Um, I haven't actually seen the show, uh, or I mean, the, I haven't seen the the new movie. Um, but there's a lot of CG, uh, obviously, because that's the go-to now. That's the hammer in everyone's toolboxes. CG, CG, CG. Yeah. Um, so I'm. I hope there's some other. Uh, there's some practical stuff in it as well. Um, I know that in the first movie they did pretty much everything. They did. They did puppetry. They did wire work. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but Billy rode on a giant. Uh, I believe a gi- giant triceratops yeah. Um, yeah. skeleton. Yeah, and it was yeah, a full-size yeah, yeah. giant puppet that they had made. Really? I'm like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And then, the, but then the CG was like, Meh, at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and the new movie looks like there's a whole lot of CG. It looks to me uh, almost like it was made by the same people who uh, made the last Fantastic Four movie. Okay. Um, style-wise, it's like we hate the Fantastic Four. Let's make a movie. <laughs> um, it kind of has that look or that feel. So I hope okay. I'm wrong. Because yeah. um, one of the things that I, I was kind of hoping is that it would be a kids movie so that my kids could go see it. But it looks like it's more made for you guys and your generation. Now that you're older, it looks like the story is older as well, okay. as opposed to just being aimed directly at kids. Yeah, like but I don't know. I haven't seen it, so I, I can't say for certain. The go. I hope it's fun. I hope it has the Shuki Levy music in it. Because man, that that music just rocked. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you worked on one of what many people think is one of the greatest superhero movies of all time is Spider-Man 2. You were on the team that won the Oscar for that. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> uh, sure. Um, back then, uh, I was like the the early aughts, mid-aughts. Um, I would spend about half – I was freelance at the time. Uh, I was only staff at the place where I worked for my, uh, Power Rangers – um, for about two and a half years, and then I went freelance for a very, very long time. Um, so at the time, I would spend about half a year working at Sony on projects, and then the other half, I was directing video game cinematics for Arnson Communication for Electronic Arts. So for the half of the year that I was compositing, um, I remember working on Spider-Man. I was one of the first artists to work on Spider-Man 2, where I was doing a shot for the trailer. And uh, it's a scene where uh, Peter Parker and Aunt May are at the bank, and they're they're talking with Joel McHale. I think his name is the uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the talk soup guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's totally awesome. So there's a lot of talk soup in uh, the Sam Raimi world. <laughs> yeah, there um, is. <laughs> so in that shot, Doc Ock goes up to the vault behind them and uses his tentacles to pull the vault door away and then throw throw it. So. I, I believe at the time the vault door was missing. It was CG. The tentacles were CG. Uh, I had to integrate the tentacles in the vault door and where it got ripped off. There were there was damage on the wall, but there couldn't be damage before he rips it off. So I had to paint pieces to to put it all together. And um, and I was very excited because uh, when I started at Sony, it was uh, the end of 1999 on Hollow Man, and I was so geeked because my first day. And I did a Sony tour. They gave me a Sony tour, yeah. like on a little tram sort of thing, like a, a golf cart yeah. around the lot. And uh, the same day they announced that Sam Raimi was going to be directing Spider-Man. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm just the right place at the right time. This is so cool. <laughs> um, and then I ended up not working on Spider-Man 1 at all. And so I was very sad. <laughs> no. uh, but by Spider-Man 2, so I was the first artist to work on it, and at least um, in compositing land. I'm sorry. There's so many people at Sony. There's yeah. so much going on that I don't know. I just say, speak for my own little world in the uh, flame department flame was the 
compositing software that we used at the time. Okay. So in the flame department, I was the first person to work on it. And it was just, I was so excited. It was so much fun. And, uh, and then I remember that, um, like it was, it was coming up that, well, the, the show wasn't going to be ready yet. And then I got the call from the place where I was doing the directing. I'm like, well, I always got to do the directing because no one wants to grow up to be a compositor. That's just a job on your way to being a director. You either want to be a director or an actor, yeah. one or the other. I'm yeah. convinced. And then everybody in Hollywood, that's what you want to be. Between. Right. So, uh, so then I got the directing gig. And so I, I left Sony to go direct the stuff. And by the time I came back, Spider-Man 2 was already in full swing. And <laughs> no pun intended. Full swing. Um, so... I, I didn't get to work. I wasn't one of the main artists on it. Like it was already staffed up. Yeah. So I was an ancillary person and I did some cleanup stuff uh, toward the end of it. So I kind of worked right around the movie. Okay. Like at the very, the very, very, very beginning. And then at the tail end, doing some cleanup work and some help out and some shots that were basically already done. Um, but just had, you know, like there's some, it, there's always some issues that can be cleaned up to some degree. Yeah. Um, so I, I like worked around the entire movie. Wow, that's awesome. That's great. And it was totally fun. Like when we won the Oscar, everyone was crazy. And I'm like, yay, I was on the team too. <laughs> did you get to go to the Oscars or is that just? Oh, no, no, no. no not, not at all. But they did um, <laughs> Scott Stokedyke and, uh, oh, my gosh. I'm going to be so ashamed I can't remember his name. Um, Ken Ralston won the Oscar. They were the ones who got the Oscar. Yeah. And so I I. I don't remember exactly because I cut them out of the picture. But we got pictures of our. Uh, we all got to hold the Oscars with them. That's awesome. <laughs> so, like, if you go on my website, there's a picture of me holding the Oscar, and I'm a big old jerk because I cut the two of them out of it. They're that's the guys who actually do. won the picture. So it just looks like it's me with the Oscar. Yeah, that's great. That's what that's what you got to do. It's all about padding your resume at, uh, at in Hollywood. Didn't you see? I have the Oscar. I remember that shot yeah. in the trailer though that you're talking about because it's uh, oh it's, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Doc Ock, he rips the vault door yeah. off and then he throws yeah, it. Yeah, like that was a, a great shot. Yeah, he throws it like a frisbee across the bank. And I think it, right, it right, smashes right. into the Yeah, Joel and Peter McHale's kicks desk. his mom away so yeah, the table it, yeah. splits in two and it goes right between them. Yeah. yeah. Sam Raimi is awesome at making shots like that and yeah. telling the story. And he, and which he's, I think is really fun. Yeah, yeah. And he's also, he's just, yeah, he's, he's so, he brings such a unique flavor to all the movies he does. That's one of the things that I love about the original Spider Man's is that it's just like he has, moments in there where it's like a horror movie and then like it turns into you know like an action adventure movie and then it's mm -hmm. a romantic comedy i mean it's it's he's he's so uh uh diverse you know yeah definitely yeah 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 he keeps I, it fun yeah 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 he knows what it's all about he knows how to keep it fun that's for sure um and it's funny because he's one of my favorite directors he's Probably the main reason I even moved to Hollywood because he was from Michigan. And mm -hmm. so I can remember in the 80s seeing uh, Evil Dead 2. Mm -hmm. That was one of the movies that my friends and I in high school grew up on. Like, yeah. we just play it incessantly, <laughs> you know, every day. Like, we'd, we had one friend's house, we're playing pool, and the movie's just on the background, and we're all saying all the lines because we already know it. <laughs> um, and the fact that he was from Michigan, it's like, hey, this guy from Michigan went to Hollywood. He's making movies. Yeah. I can make movies too, or at the very <laughs> least I can help other people make movies, I think. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was a big inspiration. And like Evil Dead 2 is just, it's absolutely hilarious. There are parts that are terrifying, but it has an overall humor of, I love movies <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. That I think is great, which I think he kind of recaptured in um, Drag Me to Hell. 
Yeah. I remember being yeah. excited when that came out. I'm like, oh, I hope this is good. I hope it teaches all the torture porn directors – or not torture porn. Yeah, torture porn yeah, directors yeah. like uh, Hostel and whatnot. Um, yeah. Where it's more – the horror was more about torture. Yeah. And, and oh, my gosh, Drag Me to Hell was just hilarious and it was fun and it was scary. And, and yeah. it would be like, the, like a handkerchief menaces a woman. <laughs> There's an entire scene about a handkerchief. A handkerchief is one of the villains of the movie. Um, the fact that he could make a handkerchief a, a villain I think is fantastic. Yeah. And in that, that movie, like it's so – it gets so ridiculous that there's even an anvil hanging in a garage that she cuts <laughs> the rope to drop the anvil on the – uh, on the old woman specter that she sees, yeah. exactly like a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> who who hangs an anvil in the middle of their yeah. anvils belong on the ground? Hey, hey, if it weren't for Warner Brothers, I wouldn't know what an anvil is. <laughs> 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 exactly, right? Yeah. Um, are there any filmmakers that either that you've worked with that have stood out? Uh, in your career or people that really challenged you in what you do? Because I know maybe VFX, you don't always get to work directly with the the directors or, but is there anything? Yeah. That- yeah. We, we, we don't, like, I don't often as a, no. as a compositor, um, they, they usually try to keep you separate from the directors. <laughs> they, yeah. they don't want you to know, you know, that they don't want you to have the contact. They want however many levels above you to have the contact with them. Yeah. Um, but there were times like um, like when we did Zathura at Sony, John Favreau came and showed us an early version of Zathura. He sat with us and watched it, gave a little introduction. Oh, wow. It was great. He's a he's a heck of a guy. It was really nice that hmm. he actually yeah. came and talked to us. Well, um, Nicholas nice. Cage came around on Ghost Rider and thanked as many people that he could walking through the studio that he found. Oh. It was just like, hey, thanks for working on this movie for me. Mm. Like, he's just like a nerd who just made it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, so, that's what I always thought about Nicolas Cage. I was like, they really try to make him like cool in movies, but he's still just a nerd. <laughs> he's not. In the, in the, in the, what is it, Ghost Rider Spirits of Vengeance, the second Ghost Rider movie? Yeah. He's doing his best Bruce Campbell <laughs> yeah. in that movie. Yeah. I'm like, I, good for him. Hey. So, yeah, yeah I, I know a lot of people don't think much of him, but. Um, he's, Terrific he seems actor. like a super nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> that he, carries a lot of, a lot of weight for me. He, um, as far as being challenged, uh, <laughs> we're always being challenged. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the challenges are by the lack of thought on production side Okay, and the fact that they don't shoot what they need. Mm. And part of it is, it's kind of the bane of our existence, yet it's also why we exist yeah. In that the director, it, it felt like, especially at a place like Sony where the movies are so huge and the budget is so huge, um, it almost felt like the director sh- sh- looked at what they shot as a template. And once they put it together, it gave them more ideas of what mm-hmm. we can do with uh, the footage we already have. And can we just change the angle 45 degrees? And it's like, well, yeah, we got enough time and money we can. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, like you set up a green screen so that you can extract people from a shot. But then the, and it's all set up for a certain angle. Yeah. And then they move the camera way down and look up at all the lights behind the actors' heads. Yeah. Yeah, we can rebuild their heads if this is where you want to go. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> there is that kind of challenge. Yeah. Um, but one of my favorites was working on Zathura um, because Stan Winston did the puppets, um, wow. did, did the, the puppet monsters, and there were guys in suits with the 
the alien head coming out of their chest, basically. So we had to remove their heads. Yeah. And it just and the integration of live action and CG, and using the CG to augment the live action, um, it, it was so much fun. Uh, the there's a giant robot that runs around chasing kids, and it was a guy in a suit, and the the top half of his suit was the suit that was going to be in the show. And then his arms were covered in black and his legs were covered in black. And then his feet, he had giant robot feet, um, like big, looked like big metal clomp, clompy things on his feet. And to get the interaction of the shadows, correct live action, and then augment, like to replace the, 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 his legs that were covered in black leggings with the CG legs and put the CG arms on the body. You have a, you have a reference that's actually in the shot because the big chest piece and the head piece is really there. The, the integration is so much easier and it looks so much better because you're not starting with just a full CG ID idea. Yeah, yeah. You have a, a you have a, a really a live action component yeah. that drives the CG. And that's my favorite sort of thing is when it's uh, when it's all combined and telling the story and it and you make it easy on yourself by using what you can that's live. Yeah, that's one thing I hear most often is that like uh, the complaint is like, hey, it looks like that thing the cg thing lacks weight in the real world and everything right right i think like that's really interesting to hear that like he actually had the practical robotic feet on for that shot because it would give it a whole realistic component of it actually existing right in that world it gives the, the the cg animators who are making the leg it gives them a reference of what's already really happening yeah yeah so they animate to what's really happening as opposed to trying to recreate what would really happen and sometimes it just sometimes it fails, and like you're saying, that that is a very big complaint of, you know, things have no weight. <laughs> you know, like yeah. how do they how are they doing that? It yeah. looks like they're just floating around. Um, and yeah, and to have an actual live action component of it to to start it and to drive the look, I, that's just genius to me. I mean, yeah. it doesn't seem like it should be genius, <laughs> yeah, but it is. <laughs> well, there, there's a great book by this guy named uh, I think it's Austin Cleon, and it's called. I could be getting his name wrong. Uh, called Steal Like an Artist. And there's a whole chapter in there. I mean, the whole book is about taking, you know, things that influence you and turning it into your own work. But he talks um, a lot about um, using practical and tactile things in your process, no matter what you do, whether you're a writer or a sculptor, or if even if you do digital designs like in, in Illustrator, to have some sort of component that's a real-life component, whether you scan that in and manipulate it afterwards, it just it creates a different kind of you know level, and it gives a soul to the work that you do. Yeah, definitely. And I, it's one of the, I'm, I'm the old man at work now. I'm by far the oldest guy around. (laughs) And, uh, the, the kids these days, the kids coming out of school, I worry about them. Um, a lot of them just go straight to the most difficult thing, (laughs) the most difficult solution possible for any problem. And, uh, and I think it's just kind of conditioned that way and not thinking, well, if this were really going to happen, how would you really do it? Yeah. And the even the idea of, uh, like, if, if they do something in the computer and the computer's computed something for you, well, it must be right because the computer did it. Yeah. But it's like you got to look with your eyeballs and see, does this look right? Yeah. You need to evaluate. And so I think, like, photography is a great thing for anyone who wants to do any kind of, uh, you know, film compositing, anyone who wants to be a compositor. Yeah. Um, uh, but just like observing reality and knowing when the math 
that the computer's trying to do is right and when it's wrong. Because yeah. the computer is like, the, I try to instill in them, you're guessing what's right. The computer is also guessing what's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because it spits something out doesn't mean it's necessarily correct. Yeah. First question that I had was, uh, so you worked on Castaway. And I have to ask this because it's one of my favorite movies. Do you have any anecdotes about working on that movie? <laughs> um, sure. That movie took forever to make. There was actually a year hiatus in the middle. Uh, I know that they made a big deal in the marketing about um, – Tom Hanks losing a lot of weight for the scenes hmm. uh, where he's been on the island for a long time. Then he's finally rolling away on the raft. But I also know, and he did lose weight, but I also know the artist who redid his abdomen <laughs> to, <laughs> to make him look even skinnier because it just wasn't enough. It just, because yeah. in reality, when you sit down, even if you're skinny, sometimes there's some wrinkles and whatnot. And yeah. that just looked, it, it, it looked like he wasn't as skinny as they wanted him to be. So... <laughs> So, like, no one would really talk about that, but that's, you know, it really did have to happen. And there are, there are scenes, there are some shots in Castaway that just blow me away. Um, there's one where uh, uh, he's picking up a package that's in the water. It's like he's walking along the shore, and there's some debris in the water, and he picks up a package. And the water wasn't really there. There wasn't as much water as they wanted. And this is the whole thing of, well, this is what we shot. But now it gives me the idea that if the water's higher, he can pick up the package out of the water. And so they remade the water around him and basically raised the ocean to meet his performance. And, like, that sort of thing you would never guess is an effect. Like, and when I'm seeing it, the only reason that I can see it's an effect is because I know. If I didn't know, it would never occur to me that that was an effect. But I think it's the um, best kind. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, the best kind of special effect, the ones that you can't really tell. You know, right, that. right. Well, that's what it's called. Like, what oh. we do is usually vis- invisible effects is what we call it. We, yeah. we hope you don't notice our work. Um, well, and, that's and, that, and that's part of the telling the story is you don't want the effect like, oh, that's a cool effect. You just want the story to be told. Yeah. Well, and that's um, – But – yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Go, sorry. I, 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 oh, I, well, I was going to say on, on my job on that movie uh, – I came in toward the, I usually came in toward the end on a lot of Sony stuff um, when everything's on fire and they need more people to just get the things done. Um, Cause that's pretty much the department I was in was the get things done department. Um, but all I did was tracking for that movie. Uh, the, the shot where he climbs up the top of the mountain yeah. and then he, he looks around and like all the waves are coming at him from every direction, yeah. which doesn't really happen, but <laughs> it happens in the movie cause it's scarier. Uh, the, they couldn't get a good track. The, there's a, there's uh, there's 3d uh, programs that will recreate a camera and get a camera track that basically moves where the camera was moving. And then you can put in the CG layers behind or in front or wherever they need to be. Um, and it will have the same move uh, with a digital camera doing the move instead. Well, it was such a difficult shot. They couldn't get the track. And I ended up doing a lot, uh, a lot of hand tracking. It was some incredibly long shot, incredible number of frames at the time. It may have been 1,800 frames or something, which back then was like, oh, my God, this is the longest thing ever. And I would have <laughs> to track it in like 50 frame increments or 100 frame increments. And then I'd have to do just some just by hand, like five or six frames at a time. Until um, I got through the whole thing in a track where the island that we put behind him matched what the camera was doing in reality. And in reality, he was standing on a dirt hill 
in um, in Malibu, like <laughs> overlooking a parking lot. And they put like a couple patches of blue here and there. But it's such a wide, a wide shot that the patches of blue barely covered anything. It was like putting like a napkin down to cover up an entire table. And uh, so as he's acting and the camera's moving around him, there's like crew cooking up hot dogs and just, you know, a bunch of cars in the parking lot. Just all this is what's behind him, not the island, you know, the, 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 the island and the cliff and the ocean behind it. Um, so like that was pretty funny and what it looked like uh, as far as the actual plate that they shot. And I spent a, like about a month doing the just the track for this one shot. And when I was done, they're like, OK, we have this water element that goes with the island element. So, you know, you need you to apply your track to the water element. So I'm like, OK, great. I'll just stick it in and run it through the same track and it will get the same move and it'll be great. And it didn't have the same move. Oh, no. And they rendered it separately. Like there were two different departments, I think. And they they each rendered them separately with their own cameras. So then I had a separate camera I had to fix for the water element that they had created because they didn't just do them together. And I remember at one point explaining this to them. They're like, no, no, they're the same. It's the same thing. I'm like, okay, I'm going to render each thing as a grid and show you. And the grid sticks together at the beginning and it's just moving along, moving along. And then it's like, <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. Uh, and so I said, well, can you just you know do it with the one camera for the land, apply that to the water, and then I'll apply my track to that to make it all work. And... They're like, yeah, we, we can't, we can't do that. I'm like, uh, really? We can't do that? Like, no, we can't do that for some reasons beyond my ability to understand why it couldn't be done. And then I had to track the water separately and the water being a moving element that's constantly shaking. I could only do it by eye. Oh, and so wow. by eye, I had to do a separate track. And if you watch the, um, if you watch the DVD extras, that shot is is an example in their visual effects section of the DVD extras. Yeah. And uh, they show it with the tracking markers. So there's like all these little inverted cones yeah. that show like pieces of land moving with the CG camera. And right where my job started is where those cones go off. So that's like where they fade out on the cones <laughs> in that explanation and ignore the fact that I had to do what I did to make it work. <laughs> You seem like you're a nerd at heart um, in terms of just being a fan of all this stuff, Real, like not just working in it, but being a fan on it. Um, and there's this video of you at Comic-Con <laughs> that I saw of you dressed up as, uh, was, is it Mojo Jojo? <laughs> yeah, it's Mojo Jojo. <laughs> being interviewed by the Joker, and it's hilarious. Um do you do any acting or voice work or anything, or is that just? Uh, you know what? I don't. Nope. Um, I tried when uh, before I got my job um, with uh, Modern Video Film, working on um, Power Rangers. I actually took some voiceover lessons with Bob Bergen, who's uh, a fairly large uh, actor in the the voiceover world, and um, and I got a couple of auditions. Um, there was a time when. Uh, Comedy Central was just starting and they had a mascot and they wanted a voice for it. And I got an audition. I'm like, oh, this is so much fun. Because I think it, like, I don't think people should look at me. I don't think I'm anything to, to look at really. And uh, it's bad. But if you're if you can hide behind something and do a voice and be a character, then that's that's a whole nother world. As yeah. Far, or, yeah, it's another world as far as I'm concerned. So uh I did have an audition. It went terribly. I think I was awful. 
they're like more bugs bunny uh less bugs bunny uh more I, you know who knows um and it ended up being bobcat goldthwaite was the voice <laughs> it's like it's like, why are you interviewing him? If that's the guy you want, that's just him. Yeah. You know? why, <laughs> why go through the audition process? <laughs> exactly. Like, why'd you go through this process? It was fun. Um, and the costume you put together was really cool, too. Um, and that makes me, uh, you've got this other project that uh, you were telling me about this party. And I guess it's called the Party Rex. <laughs> Tell us yep, a little bit party about Rex. that. Like, how did you come <laughs> up with that or create this thing? And for yeah, those sure. of you who are listening, uh, I'll put the link to these things in the show notes so you can see the videos we're talking about. Um, but, yeah, it's like an animatronic kind of T-Rex uh, mascot. What Almost. I, I could walk you over to the garage and show it to you. <laughs> um, so it, it all everything you're talking about right now all goes together. I've always loved making costumes. I've always loved Halloween. I've always made, like, I remember making King Tut when I was a kid. I think I was making the tour in, like, 74 or something. Yeah. And so I made my own King Tut. Um, I was very big on, um, I had a Dick Smith Monster makeup kit that I bought at, uh, at Toys R Us. Wait, what was, I the, remember calling what was the name of this guy? What, what? Oh, Dick Smith. He oh, did, Dick uh, Smith. He, he did a lot. He did uh, the Planet of the Apes makeup. Oh, he okay. did um, Sonny getting shot in The Godfather. Oh, He's cool. like the king of prosthetic makeup. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, so he had a monster makeup kit. I can remember calling, like, Toys R Us, like, is the monster makeup kit in yet? And uh, they're like, no, ma'am, it's not. I'm like, I'm not there. I'm a boy. Um, so, and I still have those molds, and I'll make prosthetics and put them on my kids sometimes for Halloween or whatnot. Oh, that's um, so I've always liked making stuff. I made a really awesome Shadow of the Colossus costume out of cardboard. Cardboard is probably my favorite medium. Um so uh, I think in 2010, I made the Mojo Jojo costume for Halloween. I just made it for Halloween. And then when I moved to New York, um, and there was a Comic-Con coming up, and I, I think I wore my Mojo Jojo costume for Halloween in the city one year. And I feel like, oh, you got to go to the Comic-Con in Mojo Jojo costume. And I looked at Mojo Jojo on the internet to see pictures. I'm like, there are no good pictures. There are no good Mojo Jojo costumes. It all looks like a guy with a mask on. Oh, yeah. Not like the actual proportions of the character. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to Comic-Con, and I'm going to try to get a, a, you know, the best Mojo Jojo costume out there <laughs> on the Internet. So like, at least when people look up Mojo Jojo, they can see a really good one, as opposed <laughs> to like a, a tall, skinny guy with like an ape face on. Um, so, yeah, so in 2014, I went to the Comic-Con, and uh, – Two of my friends are in the video. They're at the far right side uh, of the video toward the beginning. They kind of go off screen at one point. Um, they're like the Mojo Jojo handlers. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you have to do the, it when uh, you're in a costume like that because you can't do anything right, by right. yourself. <laughs> there was some woman who was so angry because my my cape, the rod that held my cape out, like poked her when I walked by. And it's like, lady, I'm Mojo Jojo. <laughs> 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 That's what you get. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so when I was there, this guy was the, he's dressed as the Joker and doing interviews for uh, Nerd, what is it, Nerd Caliber, Nerd Caliber. Um, so he interviewed me. It was tons of fun. And then, and I've always wanted to make a dinosaur costume. There's a show called Walking with Dinosaurs that does, like an arena show that does these tours. Yeah. yeah. And there's a, uh, a walking around Velociraptor or Baby T-Rex costume i'm like oh it's so cool i want to make one yeah. i really want to make one and it's too hard for me to make <laughs> um, 
So I was like, then I want to buy one, but they're like $20,000 for a nice one. And like, so I kept watching the videos over the years on YouTube saying, who's made a new dinosaur costume? What's the latest dinosaur costume? And they're all kind of terrible. And (laughs) then I found a company in China that makes, they make animatronics for shows and they make walking around costumes. And it's still expensive, but way less expensive than $20,000. Yeah. And I've got... I've got, you know, three kids. I've got, at the time, I had two dogs, uh, one wife. So I I can't afford to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on any kind of a costume, you know, much less this silly dinosaur costume. And my wife had the genius of idea of buy the costume and do kids' birthday parties. Like, people can have clowns. They have magicians. They have a bounce house. You have the guy Hmm. who has a box full of bugs. He shows you all the cockroaches and whatnot. Like, no one has a dinosaur. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's the greatest idea ever. So <laughs> then I ordered this T-Rex. It's uh, 13 feet long. It's 8 feet tall. And it's a giant puppet. Um, there's, It's not animatronic because there's no electronics in it to control it. It's like there's bicycle grips inside. Like, I stand up in the middle of it. It's like it's giving birth to a fat man. So... <laughs> I, I I do need to lose weight for the dinosaur more than anything else because like ooh who's the pregnant lady in the dinosaur? Um, so it's like it's like eighty five maybe ninety percent awesome and then like 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 I have black leggings on to kind of hide my legs, um, but it's it's life size it's like a juvenile T Rex um, he blinks he roars I can move around the greatest thing is uh, just walking around. People tend to think, oh, it's going to be this slow, plodding thing, and especially on Halloween. And then I can go out in the street and then chase some mom down the street, (laughs) you know, like at full speed. I can just run in it as fast as I can go. (laughs) So there's this big dinosaur, like, ah, after, you know, whoever I pick. And and the great thing about any costume like that, whether it's Mojo Jojo or the dinosaur, you can just get away with anything because you're not you. You're this crazy creature. And so, as like, I remember walking around Philadelphia in the Mojo Jojo costume. And like going up to some guy at a, uh, at a, at a, at a, at a movie, he was, um, oh, what was it? An independent, uh, movie house okay. that we're walking down the street. Yeah. And there, there's a guy with a beard, a scholarly beard and a hat and a nice <laughs> angle. And he's waiting to see, you know, some movie that, yeah, I don't know what, that no one would ever go see. And I just go up to him and I'm like, and I'm Mojo. I'm full Mojo. And I just go, are you here for the artsy or the fartsy? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And he was actually, he'd play, he's like, I'm here for the fartsy, really. Um, so he was a good age. He's like trying to like, never say that, Right. But you can never say that sort of thing to anyone unless you're in some outrageous costume. Yeah, you know? that's true. Mm-hmm. I, I, we did a show at our local library with a dinosaur. My wife is a dinosaur handler. And uh, um, she read some books. And we're in a small room. And it's like snowing outside. So it's cold. We had to be inside. And it was great. There were tons of kids and parents, and some kids are just scared, and they're literally pooping their <laughs> – there's a dinosaur <laughs> right here. And uh, um, and I like – at one point, I leaned forward too far, and my tail – like I said, I'm 13 feet long, so there's a whole lot of tail behind me. And the tail went up and knocked a light out of the ceiling, like the hanging ceiling, <laughs> and it all came crashing down. And the librarian loved it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Like, and then you... I didn't get in trouble. I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't turn around and go, shh. I, I was, was going to say, and then you knocked over uh, a whole row of shelves, and then, and then she, got a little, she got a little pissed. 
Oh, I was just going to say, it's just, it's so much fun being the dinosaur. It's so great. It's just that, you know, acting inside and no one has to see this. Yeah. They see a big dinosaur and I can have all sorts of fun. <laughs> it looks like a lot of fun. I watch all the videos on the site and, um, well, do you guys, so do you do where you, I guess you do that in the, do you do it in the tri-state area? I mean, where, where do you, if you, somebody <laughs> wants to book the par T-Rex, where do they go? Sure. Or, Sure. Well, if you go to par-t-rex.com, um, yeah, you can send me an email. Actually, it's just rick at, well, my email is rick at rickschick, but I also have rick at par-t-rex.com with the dashes. Um, and yeah, it's funny because I have on the website that like there's a distance range and part of it is like, I will not go into Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would just be a disaster. I have a, I have a four-door Jeep with a trailer and trying to park anywhere in Manhattan. I'm like, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. If someone wants to open up a franchise out there, that's great. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. But yeah, somewhere in the uh, in the New Jersey area, in the tri-state, the greater tri-state area, you bet. <laughs> Plus, the dinosaur poaching laws in Manhattan are out of control. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking that I could go to the uh, what is it? Times Square has all the characters. Oh yeah. And there's like some air, but, and so that's the one thing I'm thinking, like every once in a while, I'm like, I wonder if we should try it this weekend, but you should do haven't gotten around to giving that a shot. To promote Party Rex, where you're like on the subway as Party go Rex going down <laughs> to Times Square. Well, I, I don't think I could fit in it, but the, when I did wear, when I did wear Mojo Jojo to work for Halloween and for the uh, Comic-Con, I did ride in the subway as Mojo Jojo, which was pretty awesome. And New Yorkers don't even bat an eye. They're just like, they probably just have their earbuds in. They're looking at their phones. Oh, no, no. There, there was definitely some side eye of just like. Funny. And it's like, the funny thing is they can't see where I'm looking. And it's like, I can see each of you looking at me. Yeah, that's the best part. And trying to pretend you're not. Well, what, uh, do you have any projects coming up you want to promote? Or what, like, what's, what are you working on you now? Need to plug. Uh, I'm working on a bunch of episodic television. Um, let's see. I don't know that I can talk about some of the things oh, okay. that I'm currently working on cause they haven't aired yet. Okay. Um, there is a really awesome property for, is a comic book property. That's the most fun thing I've worked on in a long time. Uh, um, that's coming up soon and it's crazy. Uh, I'll tell you about it when I, <laughs> when it comes out, if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll have but, to have you back on yeah, as artists, we're very excited to be working on it, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be pretty. Uh, it'll be well received because it's just insane. Yeah. Um, but then most recently, um, I did. Uh, we finished up Zelda, which is on Amazon Prime. Oh, awesome. um, or Z. I'm sorry, it's Z, the story of uh, or the beginning of everything, mm -hmm. okay. which is about Zelda That's Fitzgerald. Yeah. And the place that I currently work is a. Uh, it's a. It's becoming a much bigger force in New York. Uh, New York is growing as a visual effects uh, community. And um, we did some of the biggest shots we've ever done uh, for this particular company. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, Zelda was a lot of fun to work on. We did really great work, I believe, in uh, recreating 1920s um, uh, New York. So th there's a scene where they come out of Penn Station and we shot at the, uh, at the courthouse in New York City as a stand-in for Penn Station. And then we built a CG, Penn, uh, CG uh, downtown with like a matte painting oh, wow. and a bunch of CG uh, 1920s automobiles and crowds walking oh, around. Cool. And uh, <clears throat> I was really excited because one of my favorite directors ever is Buster Keaton. 
And I got some Buster Keaton as reference from some of my videos. And I cut like where he's like riding on the front of a motorcycle, like just zipping along down the street. And so he might be hidden in the background. Oh, yeah. uh, (laughs) If you look closely enough. Nice. Maybe. I can't say for certain because it wouldn't be proper to do that. Yeah. Um, But that's always one of the fun things is is incorporating stuff like that or putting ourselves into things whenever we can. But uh, but Zelda, I, I watched some of Zelda. It seems like a good show. Oh, awesome. Well, we'll have to check it out on Amazon Prime then. Um, yeah, and where can people find you? Where's the best place to find you on social media or your site? The, I'm guessing the easiest is just rick at rickschick.com. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Do- doesn't get more simple than that. I think it's. I think I am Rick Schick on Twitter, okay. but I think I posted like two things. I would guess. (laughs) Well, all right. Well, go ahead and follow him online or visit his site. We'll put the links in the show notes, too, if you want to check out any of the things he's talking about. And we'll put one of those uh, pictures on Instagram of the original uh, Power Rangers uh, figurines. Yeah, I I have. I I put I dumped a bunch on Imager. So I don't know. Does that mean I have a. An account that says Rick Schick on Imager or something? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how I did that. I don't know how that works. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, But, yeah, thanks for coming on, Rick. Uh, We really appreciate it. And we'll have to have you on uh, as you continue to work on uh, more projects. Sure. Scare more kids as a dinosaur. Those are always fun stories. (laughs) Right. Right, Thanks, guys. It was great uh, great meeting you. Thanks a lot. Nice to meet you, Mr. Schick. All right. Nice talking to you again, Jordan. Well, that was that was a that was a nice interview. I I mean with with Rick, I thought that was that was pretty fun to have him on. Um, yeah, that was great. Yeah, it was awesome. We'll have to have him on again in the future because there were so many things you could talk about. We had a page of notes, and uh, and sorry, we didn't end up getting the listener questions because we talked so much. And we'll do that next episode. I swear we will. Um, but yeah, sorry about that. We're still figuring things out. Um, and then he also had a page of like, oh, these are some interesting, you know, anecdotes. And we covered some of them. <laughs> but like, so we could go on for hours with Rick. Uh, we'll have to have him on again, especially as he works on future projects. So, and thank you for listening to the show. Um, and uh, if you do like the show and you want to support it, um, eventually next week, uh, next month in April, we'll have a Patreon page. Um, but send us a comment, send us a message on social media, uh, to our email, tell us what sort of things you'd like to get in return, um, for supporting us on Patreon. And I know there's a lot of different tiers. A lot of shows offer different things like, uh, bonus episodes or behind the scenes content, um, anything that you could think of. So as we build that out, we can make sure that there are perks there that you'd actually be interested in, uh, it, in yourselves. Um, you could go to gentlemanscofflaw.com uh, to get all the links that we mentioned in this show, in the show, in the, in the show notes um, to, you know, anything that we talk about is going to be listed in those links and uh, be sure to follow us on social media, leave us a review on iTunes. You could leave us a voicemail at the number is man eight one scoff. And, uh, We'll play it on the show next time. Let's scoff with two Fs. Two Fs. Man, eight, one, scoff. And I don't know what those numbers are, so you'll have to figure them out on your keypad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. And next week, we're actually going to have a a neat guy, a a guest. uh, His name is Tanner uh, 
Guzzy from Masculine Style, and he's got a lot of really great kind of style tips for for men this day and age. And they're not the typical kind of you know the the kind of foppish Instagram uh, you know. Uh, fashion tips. No more Crocs. (laughs) But he's, I think he, he, and he's also got just a lot of good life advice on Mm -hmm. his uh, website and YouTube channel. And I think he's going to be a great guest for uh, a lot of men that, uh, you know, want to learn a little uh, something. And uh, women too. Is it it Guzzy or Goozy? Goozy or Guzzy? I think it's Guzzy. Oh, well. We'll find out. We'll find yeah, we'll because. Find. <laughs> well, you guys have a great week, and uh, thank you guys, too, for, uh, you know, spending the time doing this as usual. You don't have to. You could be doing other things. And uh, Pleasure to see you again, Jordan. Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. And you are and a- you, uh, Dustin? <laughs> <laughs> you are both a gentleman's and a scofflaw's, my friends. And uh, you guys have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you next Monday. This has been the Gentleman's Scofflaw Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Visit us on the interwebs at gentlemanscofflaw.com. Captain says, his ass on the river. We ain't getting home if we don't break through. So damn cold, I can't help but shiver. Rise and shine, we got work to do.